This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in, coming in hot with a lot of coffee. And, of course, as we like to do at the top, a big thanks to our super producer, the madman of Michigan, Mr. Max Williams. They called me Ben. Uh, Noel, this is a part two. We wanted to make this a one-parter, but we just we just couldn't help ourselves, man. No, we just love the, the pictures too much. We had to, we had to, we had to wax philosophical and poetic and nostalgic, all those things about them mm-hmm. for quite some time. I have a question though, guys. What happens if something happens to this part? So people are always going to be sitting around, like they, like they're going to hear the end of part one. I feel like you're gonna, intentionally going to cut this. What? what why would I cut oh. this? I don't know. This is going to stay here forever. <laughs> this is going to stay here forever. Oh, but people are going to listen to part one, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm so excited for part two. And then it just never appears. It's just lost forever. Let's, uh, well, we're working with live fire in that case. Hopefully not as dangerous as studio fire. What do you say? Want to get into it? Let us do it. Sometimes circumstances were just against people. Like the, we talked about fires. This is interesting. I have a personal experience with lost media 
uh, on my father's side, no one knows how old my grandfather was because the courthouse that held his birth certificate burned down. And if I could be candid, when you asked him about his age, his answer would change depending on whether or not he thought uh, a woman in the room was attractive. Uh, that's just, it's a true story. He wasn't a creep. He was, he was just a weird dude. And so big film companies and studios are fighting fires all the time. There was an unexplained uh, explosion in a film vault in 1920 at the uh, famous players and Metro Film Exchange building in Kansas City. This explosion caused a fire that went through the entirety of the 12th floor and then the 11th floor of the Metro. $1 million worth of films were destroyed. Luckily, there were no injuries. None of the employees were injured, but $1 million worth of film was destroyed. And just to drive that impact home, I think it's time for an inflation calculator. And a Inflation calculator is the place to be. And our results are in $1 million in 1920 is equal to max. You got to hit it this time. Wait, did you want a drum roll? Cause I'm giving you one right now. Oh, well, both, both. Oh yeah. It's a uh, $14,840,400. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. That's a ton of money, right? That's the kind of stuff that'll sink your ship. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not the only fire. No, it's not. Another fire started in Universal City uh, on May 23rd of 1922 when uh, an electrical snafu essentially caused like a live wire kind of like in the movies flailing around uh, on a film set in the cutting room. Full of that flammable stuff. Um, it created heat that then caused boxes of film stock to explode, uh, including, you know, like shrapnel, like metal shards flying around. I mean, people really, you know, were in serious danger, not to mention the, 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 the you know, the, the films. An actor by the name of Priscilla Dean actually was wearing, a co wearing her costume still and desperately was trying to to rescue one of her films called Under Two Flags. But then she fell, you know, in, in this kind of like uh, ensuing melee and and got, got pretty badly injured. I think she had a pretty, pretty nasty sprain. Irving Thalberg, who we may have heard of, he's a very um, successful and uh, I think there's a, I think that's the, the, there's an award at the Oscars named after him, the Irving J. Thalberg Award for like, achievement or something like that. Um, he was then at this point, the general manager of the studio and this other guy named Leo McCary or McCary, they tried to put out the fire single handedly, but they were actually turned away by security. I think Ben, what's the deal with that? What, what, what does I don't understand when, when, how they were turned away? Well, at this point, the, uh, it becomes a matter of personal safety, Right, they're trying to get into the fire, and they're being stopped and being told, "Look, you can't. It's too late." Right, the, that ship has sailed. That film has burned. And then, uh, just a year later, this is how much of a problem this material was: this nitrate and this acetate. Just a year later, there's a fire in Culver City at Goldwyn Studio, which will later be a MGM lot, and this occurs on June fifteenth, nineteen twenty-three. 20 films that were in the processing lab, 
plus parts of seven other films were destroyed in a fire and everybody jumped in to help. No one was a diva here. Uh, actors, directors, crew members, prop guys, and fire crews all cooperated together to put out the fire. I picture the old school trope of people handing buckets to each other in a totally. line. Yes. And the guy at the end is like, oh, we need bigger buckets. Also, to jump in here real quick, the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award is a, like a special award they give out only periodically at the Oscars. The way it's described, at least this is from Wikipedia right here, is for creative producers whose bodies of work reflect a consistently high quality of motion picture production. So it's kind of like a lifetime achievement award, like some people like uh like who have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like tracks. Hitchcock and stuff like that. 100%. So someone like uh like uh Dean Zanuck or, or uh Richard Zanuck, you know, someone who's usually given sometimes given posthumously, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like Spielberg, Lucas, all these funny story according to Wikipedia right here. Catherine Hepburn, the only time she showed up at the Oscars was to give one of these. She had always sent someone to get her Oscar for her. <laughs> nice. Uh and I think that was some max with the facts right there. Oh, boy, was it faxy as they come. Thank you for that, Max. Love a sound cue uh, here on Ridiculous History. Uh, we also have more fires. Just to list these out quickly, because this is a depressing part of the show. There's a fire at Consolidated Film Industries on October 28th, 1929. This, unfortunately, does result in a fatality because a technician tries to save the film and he's running out of this exploding burning building with canisters of film in his arms uh five other people are injured they're burned but they're not uh some of them grievously but they're not killed and two million dollars worth of film is lost uh, i think there were 50 employees in the night shift they were able to escape uh, later they would say this machine that polishes developed film caused the fire and uh, this fire spread to sound stages. These were big deal films, too, at the time. And quickly, the industry started to say, hang on a tick. Are deadly <laughs> fires becoming a normal, like, cost of doing business now? Do we need to, does the studio need to have its own fire department? What, what are we going to do? And they were already thinking of this when 1937 hit, July 9th. There's another fire and this is one of the worst ones yet this episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by uber teen introducing uber teen accounts an uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers this is important stuff your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map and you know i've actually been using uber teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events the other week i used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in atlanta and today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game i watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then i can track their progress to and from their destination. 
It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated, experienced drivers, and you receive those real-time notifications, as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? I think you know. It's Hmm. Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Well, you know, you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. That's right. We had a fire, uh, specifically not in L.A. this time. It occurred in Little Ferry, New Jersey, uh, at a 20th Century Fox film storage facility. This is on July 9th of 1937. And and once again, I mean, it was just kind of one of these set it and forget it things, you know, or the, the things, the, the, the cans would just be, you know, put in there, cataloged. And then, you know, probably the place was operated by a relatively small crew. 
So there was some neglect and, uh, you know, very specific conditions that led to a, a fire being ignited. Nitrate film, again, much like its, I guess, cousin nitroglycerin could become unstable and could actually spontaneously combust, uh, you know, when the heat conditions got just so. It was exposed to direct heat. So since these storage vaults were made of concrete and the ventilation was bad, uh, it caused these gases for that were kind of generated coming off of this nitrate film to just catch fire and explode. And then what do you have there? It's like a bunch of matches lined up next to one another. You end up with like a domino effect of mayhem. Uh, there was actually a young a young person that was uh, killed who lived in a neighborhood nearby and two others were injured from, from various uh, results of the fire. Yeah, it's an incredible tragedy. And the cost was more than uh, human lives as well, not to diminish those at all, but just due to this incident, this outbreak, most of the majority of silent films from the Fox Film Corporation were lost Right now, 75% of Fox films before 1930 are just gone, literally up in smoke, and it's due to this one event. These fires continued. 1965, there's a fire at the MGM Film Vault. These vaults were made out of concrete. They were separated from each other. They were far from any buildings. They were built in the 1930s during a time in which studios all Ready were well aware of the danger of this spontaneous combustion and the threat of fires. But still, an electrical spark was all it took. One errant spark caused a fire in film storage vault number seven, and it caused an explosion. It killed someone. Uh, these films that were in this vault were all lost. This is stuff like Greta Garbo's The Divine Woman and ah, the film I was thinking about in the beginning, A London After Midnight, Lon Chaney. I've looked forever for it. You can see pictures of the guy's costume as the monster. And Lon Chaney, of course, old school special effects genius. But you cannot see this film. And if I am incorrect about that, please find me. Find me on social media. Write to us or something. I want to see the film if you know a way to see it. I think Hello, it's you're like, Come at me. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me, woke mob. We'll see who cancels who. I want to see the film. Oh, and as well, you should. And just jump in one more time. Uh, I, I'll say from like, you know, years working on the show Ephemeral, we've done a number of episodes about like lost movies. And the whole the whole purpose of the show is lost stuff. And uh, we talk to someone about like lost movies. The one they talk about the most is that Foxfire. Like that's the one they always bring up. Like, yeah, like the Foxfire, which is just like so much was lost in that thing. It's like, that's like the unfortunate pinnacle of these fires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we see that 12.6 million feet of historical newsreel footage that had been donated by Universal Pictures is destroyed in 1978 on December 7th. And this was a, a fire at a federal complex at the National Archives and Records Service. So even, even Uncle Sam is having problems keeping this stuff from sparking. And I know this sounds like a litany of terrifying fire-related catastrophes because, spoiler alert, it is. And further spoiler alert, these fires keep going. We're actually not going to get 
too in the weeds. What you need to know is the Fox film fire was the uh, by far the most disastrous in terms of all the footage and media that was lost. But of course, fires are dangerous to any kind of physical media, not just film. Yeah, and they're also this is not entirely a phenomenon that went away like in the in the 19, you know, 30s and 40s. Back in 2008, there was a massive fire in the studio backlot of Universal Studios, uh, building 6197, which was Universal Music Group's main West Coast storehouse of masters. And when we think of music, the masters are essentially like the original you know, multi-track tapes of mm-hmm. a very iconic record. It's what that the studio or, wants to own. That's what the studio owns. And then, you know, a lot of artists will negotiate for themselves that they own their own masters, but it's in, incredibly difficult to do. And uh, usually, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a deal breaker. But they got to go somewhere. So whether it's like, you know, the final kind of mix downs, because if you have the multi-track tapes, that's actually just the original recordings. And then all of that stuff gets filtered through, you know, studio equipment to create, you know, reverbs and whatever it might be and effects and all of that. So in order to actually, you could actually take those and remix them. That's what when you, you get reissued, you'll actually have somebody remixing older records and like remastering them and they'll put them through maybe more modern equipment or whatever it might be. But this building, which stored all of this stuff, things dating back as far as the 1940s, including digital masters uh, of, of more recent stuff, burned. And they kept it under wraps for years, like unless you lived there. This happened in 2008, and it didn't really make the news uh, nationally or, you know, uh, in a mainstream way until 2019. And um, this was literally near what used to be the King Kong encounter because Universal Studios where the amusement park is, is, is an active uh, uh, studio and, you know, iconic films have been shot there, but this uh, archive contained things from the likes of Buddy Holly, uh, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Dizzy Gillespie, Max Roach, Art Blakey, Sun Ra, Albert Ayler, Charles Mingus, and that's like just the jazz stuff. It had, you know, stuff from uh, Neil Diamond, Sonny and Cher, Quincy Jones, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Ray Charles, R.E.M., Steve Earle, George Strait. So, like, just Iggy Pop all over the place. So, you know, uh, I think, thankfully, uh, most of that stuff digitally, you know, what had been, or a lot of the more recent stuff had been digitally backed up elsewhere. But, you know, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can happen in the, you know, another thing we have to remember is that the cloud, as it exists, is tremendously clever. But if the right amount of servers go down or encounter some sort of physical danger, then things that are stored digitally can also be lost. So it's a fight that continues, and it's part of the reason why we've decided to make Lost Media a series. Uh, before we end this two-part series, there are a couple of, couple of uh, shout-outs we wanted to do, and a couple I personally need to get off of my chest. This is another call out. If you uh, heard my plea to see London after midnight and you said, Ben, you fool, you nutty professor, you, London <laughs> after midnight really doesn't exist. I wish I could help you. Well, here's another way you might be able to help me. For years, I've been looking for the director's cut of Event Horizon. This is one of the most legendary uh, recent lost films. 
No one knows. Uh, well, the official word is that there is no director's cut around today. But I hope that's untrue because that movie slaps. The original cut was 130 minutes, so half an hour is missing from it. And uh, very good. Uh, yeah, very, I love it. I think we've talked about it multiple times. It's a movie where the marketing campaign did not line up with what the nope. actual movie was, and it just it wrecked my teenage brain. But I'm kind of glad it did because it you know got me. It honestly pushed me headlong into deeper, weirder, uh, more Lovecraftian horror. But another example of that, Ben, and it's not even a director's cut. It's uh, you know a film. Actually, there's two films by a very prominent uh, director, Catherine Bigelow, um, mm -hmm. who is known uh, for her excellent films, uh, including Zero Dark Thirty and um, what's the other one? Uh, the Hurt Locker, uh, which I believe she won an Academy Award for. But some of her early films are kind of more on the schlocky, uh, weirdo sci-fi and horror side. Like there's a movie called Near Dark starring Bill Paxton that up until very recently when it was uh, put out by the Criterion Channel, it was really hard to get a hold of. And I watched it on, on the Criterion Channel's re recent uh, 80s horror collection. They do these great little curated collections. And highly recommend it. Get the free trial. It's such a great... If you're into film, that is a fun one. You can just browse and you'll find things you've never thought to even look for. And the way they're curated, again, back to the curation, they're in these clever little kind of, you know, collections. And so it'll be like around, you know, women uh, filmmakers working in Iran, like in the 19, you know, 70s or whatever it might be. I'm kind of spitballing there. But the other one is is impossible to find. It's called Strange Days. Do you remember mm -hmm. Strange Days, Ben? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a Catherine Bigelow movie starring Rafe Fiennes, I believe, about like a future dystopian future where you could relive people's, you know, sex encounters and stuff in a VR kind of situation. And then there's a serial killer who's using, you know, who's murdering people and recording their their experience of it uh, on these weird little mini disc things. But that is not streaming anywhere. And I can't find a physical copy of it to save my life. And you got to wonder, is this at the behest of the filmmaker who's like, I'm not so stoked on that one anymore mm -hmm. um, because the filmmaker of her caliber you'd think would uh, have her whole you know oeuvre kind of uh, digitized in some way shape or form this episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in. And then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. 
Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Yeah, even Orson Welles is not immune to this. One thing is often called the holy grail of lost films is the magnificent Amberson's director cut. This is what he made right after Citizen Kane. The studio didn't like it. They took 40 minutes of footage out and they made up a new ending because that's back when studios would just ah. do that. So they put in a new, happier, more family-friendly ending. Uh, Orson himself had nothing to do with it. He wasn't around. He actually hightailed it off to Brazil to work on another film and then the original version of his film was destroyed by the studio. As we record now, this is the one that may have some prints still in existence. So without too much of a pun here, if you hand this to us, if you can be the person who brings us any of these films, then you are ridiculous history royalty. And we uh, eagerly await your correspondence saying, one day our prince will come. Get it? I walked up to that pun. Prince... And then also yeah. print. You walked up to that pun and you you tapped it right into that hole for a birdie, my man. That's what you did <laughs> Thanks. there. Thanks, bro. Uh, and luckily, you know, to your excellent point about the Criterion Collection, when you try that free trial, even if you don't consider yourself a film buff, uh, Criterion may may well transform you into one. And it's all for the better. We always have room for one more without sounding too sinister. I guess maybe. We can end it here, or we can talk a little bit about just how wackadoo and dangerous nitrate prints are in the modern day, because, you know, this is something we talked about off air a little bit. Uh, so we established this stuff is so flammable. If the temperature's wrong, then it will spontaneously combust. But what do you need to watch film? You need a film projector. What does a film projector do? Hot it has ball, light. baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, if you if you if you spend any time in L.A., uh, you know, theaters like the Egyptian or, you know, from the American Cinematographique uh, Society, I think I'm saying that right. Um, it's one of these revival houses that'll like play, 
you know, original prints. Or like Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Theater, you know, there, there in L.A. also will do that. Uh, Tarantino has one of the largest collections of, of original nitrate prints, I think, of any personal private collector in the world. Uh, and he donates or, you know, allows his, uh, his prints, his personal prints to be shown in that theater to the public. So if you're in LA, man, good on you. You got access to a lot of, uh, amazing, you know, film, uh, opportunities to see these original prints the same in New York, you know, you've got places like the Nighthawk, you know, which is a theater where, where they'll show, you know, old prints. Like I saw Bad Lieutenant there, the the uh, Abel Farrar movie with Harvey Keitel. And you could tell, man, it looked like I was watching something from the 70s, like in a old weird porn theater or something. Because like it had, you know, the cigarette burns, which are literally the little dots that are used to show the projectionist to switch reels. Because the film, you know, comes in multiple reels and the projectionist has to thread each one of them in. And then that's the cue to like switch a switch and flip it over to the next reel. So, um, you know, if you have access to that stuff, definitely check it out. But also know, to your point, Ben, that, yeah, if they're using nitrate prints, which I, I imagine there are some very bespoke, you know, houses that, that, that definitely do that, maybe play original ones. I, I don't know. We know that there were a lot of uh, reproductions. You got to be really careful. You got to keep your eye on on the conditions, right? Oh, yeah. So this stuff is fragile. And, you know, film, if it's not spliced correctly, if it's not smooth when it runs, it can derail, it, things, can, things can go wrong very quickly. These bulbs are 6,000-watt bulbs. According to Jared Case, the curator of film exhibitions over at the Eastman Museum, you have to treat this stuff not like a regular film, but like a museum artifact. The projectors have to be obsessively maintained and cleaned after after and before, right? Every single exhibition, because at this point, it's a matter of safety, not just preserving the material. He mentions how their chief projectionist is so rightly paranoid about this that he makes sure there are no physical rough edges on the film. He double checks every splice uh, and everything as a result takes more time mm -hmm. uh and they but they still they want to see them because there's no mistaking it the nature of this material means that those originals will degrade it's kind of their destiny to be seen while they can still be seen i think it's a really great uh great sentiment and great way to to wrap it up and would definitely recommend if you're in the rochester new york area to check out the george eastman museum to see some of their collections there. Lots of incredible uh, examples of the kinds of things we're talking about and history of uh, the photographic arts. Also mentioned the Egyptian, I'm, I pronounced it totally wrong, it's the American Cinematheque. Uh, not Cinematographique. I did not need to go quite as fonch with that. But uh, yeah, they actually did a collaboration with Martin Scorsese's Film Foundation and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and Turner Classic Movies, uh, which allows them to project these nitrate prints that we're talking about, and that required them to retrofit the theater uh, with extra fireproofing material, including like a giant steel fire door to to prevent, you know, these things from, from being, you know, from fire spreading. Uh, and also um, the projectionist there, one of the, uh, the chief projectionists, a guy named Ben Tucker, is interviewed pretty extensively in a book that we recommend called The Art of Film Projection, A Beginner's Guide. So... Check that mm -hmm. one out too. And if you can't make it, 
uh, travel-wise to Rochester, why not go to your podcast app of choice and tune into Ephemeral, a show that is all about lots of types of lost media. Max, what what what's an episode or two that you think would be particularly appealing uh, to folks who enjoyed this series this week? Well, actually, I got four right off the top of my head. There is many episodes we talk about, but four recently. One of them should be movie theaters came out in August because remember how Noel was talking about the new Bev Theater, Quentin Tarantino? We have an interview with Jules McLean, who is the director of operations for that theater. Wonderful producer Trevor Young walks through there. Does a tour of the plays. It's great. Lots of information. But uh, there's also a recurring series we've done called Video Stores. And this kind of brings into context this whole, you know, we've talked about this episode, like the movies being lost. And that's unfortunately not something we've gotten past even now. Mm -hmm. So with stuff moving to streaming, we're kind of up to popularity being what decides whether or not films survive. So like right. stuff like I was looking this up, like Netflix has not that many titles. Amazon Prime, I think, is considered like the largest like selection of titles, and it's like twenty five, twenty six thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which which is a pretty small percentage, right? When I was up at Movie Madness in Portland, I think they said ninety thousand, which is massive. Vidiots, which we have an episode about solely, which is reopening, I think, pretty soon in the LA area. They, I think, have seventy five thousand here in Atlanta. Videodrome has about fifty thousand, but. Also, when I was up at Movie Madness, I was talking to the guy, and he had the book. He had this like, book of like all the remaining uh, video stores. It's Ooh. not a very big book, and there's some pages X'd out because they're not there anymore. Like, right. I forget this. Uh, there's There was one in Athens that went out of business not that long ago. I mean, it's hard to keep these things alive. So if you have a video store in your area, support them because there's a lot of stuff. I remember when we were doing a tour of Videodrome a number of years ago, we were talking to a guy, and he was like, Oh, Paul Schrader. I think I'm getting his name right. And that's the first time I've ever heard of uh, Mishima, who we literally just talked about. Mm -hmm. And like all these things, you have all these directors. Again, it comes it comes back to curation. I mean, Videodrome is is a wonderful place. I rent from there as much as I possibly can and end up keeping the movies way too long. And so I, you know, owe tons of late fees, which I'm hoping is keeping them alive single handedly. Uh, I'm I'm joking. Uh, but not about the late fees. I just, I, there are, you know, there's a nice community in, in Atlanta that really does support that place. But I, I do worry that the, the places like that are, you know, I know they're struggling and I just would really be sad if if that place that vanished because in the city is metro-y and big and as Atlanta, it's really only that one. And I think in L.A. there's really only like two mm. or maybe, you know, just a handful. Yeah, like, like I think like a place like Vidiots, which is reopening, they were on Santa Monica for a very long time and they closed down they never decided they never got closed down permanently they closed down to kind of figure things out and put all their stuff in an archive and they're reopening as like a museum theater hybrid i i can't tell you exactly what they're doing off the top of my head but it's it's really hard for these places and i mean support them and also you know push for more arts funding it's not easy for these places to get non-profit standards so mm -hmm. if you can help push for stuff like that i would suggest that because keeping this stuff keep this is art and I think it's important as a culture for art to stay alive. So support your local video store and uh, support your local podcasters. Uh, not for nothing do we shout out Ephemeral. As we know, we listen to a lot of shows and we don't say this kind of stuff about all of them. So thank you to super producer Mr. Max Williams for both this show and for uh, Ephemeral. Uh, thanks to Alex Williams who composed this track. Thanks to our research associate, Dr. Zach. 
And thanks to that Cadillac in the background since I'm accidentally freestyling. Dr. Zach and that Cadillac in the back. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.